Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the BT Powerhouse podcast. Uh, As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. Uh, returning for another podcast in our, our season kickoff series here, our, our team previews. We've worked through a few of the teams. I, I know we hit on Illinois, Indiana um, last week, and, and we're moving right on in um, to the <laughs> Chicago's Big Ten team, I guess, uh, with the Northwestern Wildcats. And to help us break them down, uh, we have Noah on. Uh, Noah, thanks for joining us. And and can you give us a little background um, on yourself? I think this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Uh, so a little background about you um, and Inside NU, uh, who you write for. Yeah, it is uh, the first time I've been on. So thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Noah Kaufman. Like you said, I'm, I'm with Inside NU. I'm the editor-in-chief uh, as of now uh, for Inside NU. Um, and I've been a Northwestern fan um, for about seven, eight years. Uh, now at this point, so starting in the Carmody era, near the tail end of that era, uh, but in the, and I think it was the C, John Sheridan's senior year, uh, if you remember that, uh, and then oh, all okay. the way up till now through the through the Chris Collins time. So right at the tail end of Carmody, uh, and right into uh, right into Collins now. So that's that's sort of my connection with Northwestern basketball. And I got to say this this is probably shaping up to be the worst year that I've seen as a fan. Uh-oh. Many other fans have seen many worse. So, you know, Oh, not, not a great way to start our, our preview podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of people just clicked <laughs> off. Um, but, uh, but anyway, hey, there's, yeah, there's positives, not, not many of them, but there are, there are some positives. Okay. Well, I, you know, before, before we get into, you know, some of the roster stuff, the schedule and, and that kind of stuff, um, you hit on it a little bit in, in your intro there. Uh, but what is the mood of, of Northwestern fans coming into the season? Obviously, last season didn't quite live up to the hype and the expectations that fans at least had hoped to see. Uh, Northwestern ends up finishing 13 and 19 overall. Um, what, what are what's sort of the feeling uh, among the Wildcat fan base coming into the season, and where sort of uh, is everyone at? The mood of the fans is sort is is mostly uh, just focused on football. You know, everybody wants to forget about basketball for a season <laughs> and kind of rejoin the team uh, next year. Because uh, this was always slated to be a rebuilding year for this program. You know, Chris Collins uh, had two of the best players in program history graduating last season in Derek Parton and Vic Law. He got a big name grant transfer, a relatively big name, you know, as big name as, as these things can often get. And, and Taylor, last year was the year they were going to go for it. The seniors that they had probably gave Law and Parton the, the finishing year they deserved as two of the key pieces who brought uh, Northwestern to the tournament for the first time ever and then kind of set the program back to, if not square one, square two and sort of go from there, right? So that was the plan. Like you just said, it didn't really work out that way, right? Anytime you go 13 and 19 with, as I mentioned, two all Big Ten players and two of the best players that you've ever had in the program as seniors, um, it's not a good sign. So when you go from that team to this team, which loses those two guys and Taylor, who of course turned out to be a disappointment, it's not, it's not looking great as of right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean that that's sort of the sense i've gotten um a, a lot of fans it it seems like they 
they have this feeling that things are sort of going in the wrong direction. Um, but we'll, we'll get to yeah. some of the, the big picture stuff uh, a little bit later. Um, why, why don't we dive into this year's team, uh, as I mentioned? Yeah. Uh, and, and you touched on uh, there have been some departures. They lost some key players from last year's team. Um, but they're also bringing in some new guys as well. Uh, what, are, what are the big departures for Northwestern this offseason? And conversely, uh, who are the big names uh, that they're bringing in uh, heading into the season? Well, I should say it's, it is actually a very interesting team for this season. You know, it, it's not necessarily a team that's going to win a ton of games, but it's a very compelling team overall. <laughs> you know, a very young team on the whole. I mentioned Law and Park, both gone. Law starting small forward, leading scorer for this Northwestern team for the most part. Uh, sometimes shared, shared that scoring load with Parton, but also the top one-on-one uh, -on -one defender, a guy who's just going to lock down his opponent on the perimeter for the most part just about every night he got out there. So Parton, the starting center, you know, uh, rebounds, average near double-double for much of his career, um, and, and was just sort of a go-to guy in the post when they chose to go to him there, which was more infrequent than most teams like last season, but he was that go-to guy in the post and a lot of Oh, I, I think you're, you're cutting out there, uh, Noah. I apologize to our, our listeners. Um, doesn't, doesn't seem to be to be coming across here. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit on a, a couple of the, uh, the departures as he was talking about. Vic Law, big, big departure. Derek Pardon, those are the two that are, are really going to turn, turn heads for the most part. Um, Vic Law... He, he ended up missing some time due to injury during his career, but was a very, very productive player on the wing. And he had some really impressive games over the course of his career for the Wildcats. Um, and then Pardon was just such an efficient player inside, just showed up time and time and time again. Uh, so a lot to be excited about between those two uh, for the season. Looks like we, we may have Noah. Do, do we have you back? Yes, I'm back. Sorry about okay, that. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Okay, I was I was talking about law and, and pardon, so I I think we got a little uh, touch on as far as um who left. I, I think Ryan Taylor yeah. is also a departure. Yeah, did, I but mention, did I mention Taylor before I cut off? I I, I, don't, I don't think I you I, sure. yeah I don't think you so did before you okay. cut out. Yeah, sure. So I'll just get in, I'll just get into Taylor really quickly. Uh, so sorry about that, but um so Taylor, you know, a, a grad transfer shooting guard from Evansville who was really impressive in his time at Evansville, uh, averaging over twenty points a game for the Purple Aces. Came to Northwestern, not as impressive. You know, shot uh, right around 30% from the three-point line for the whole, for most of the season, tipping below there a couple of times. Didn't give them much of anything on the defensive end, and ended up not giving them a whole lot on the offensive end when he was shooting the ball too well, which was both nights. So he was a disappointment, but it's still another starting piece or a key rotation piece that you lost. So those are the three main losses for this team. Excellent. Yeah, and, and conversely, on the other side, uh, the, the big guys coming in? Yeah, so the number one guy that, that most national uh, fans are going to know about just because of how interesting the story was, Pat Spencer, uh, a top a top lacrosse player in the country last season. In fact, the top lacrosse player in the country last season. Uh, transfers into Northwestern as a grad transfer. Um, apparently always wanted to play basketball, but he was, a, he was a star men's lacrosse player coming out of high school. So he went and played men's lacrosse for four seasons, excelled, you know, could have gone to the pro lacrosse league after his, after his career. Uh, and 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 chose instead to take this kind of kind of season on on, on just just for fun uh, with Chris Collins in Northwestern. So he was so the, the pickup, you know, Spencer himself, of course, a very good athlete. People 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 weren't really mocking him. People were mocking the pickup certainly though uh, by Chris Collins. Uh, Pat Spencer, you know, a Tordan Award winner is is all nice and good, 
uh, coming out of Loyola, Maryland, and a great and a great lacrosse player. But people were really wondering how that skill was going to transfer to the basketball court. But since he's been in Europe, he's looked really impressive. Had a couple of double doubles of points and assists. Looks like he's going to be the shooting guard for this Northwestern team. Going to be the starting shooting guard. Um, he's going to get a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes in this kind of thin Northwestern rotation, and going to be sort of a veteran leader on, as I mentioned, a pretty young team. All things all things uh, said. So. So it's it's sort of interesting, you know. He was this he was this kind of mocked player, and I certainly had my questions about him as well. But looked really good in Northwestern's Europe trip this earlier this summer, and there's still plenty of questions about how he's going to gel and fit in in a real Division One basketball game. But certainly a lot more intriguing, at least to me, as it's gone. And then from there, Northwestern also adds a couple of first true first years uh, in in Boo Booey is 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 one of the main guys, a uh, uh, a true first year point guard who, who might see a lot of time at that point guard position fast-rising uh, player who started off uh, early in his high school career as a two-star, rose up the ranks quickly to becoming a high three-star uh, by the time Northwestern recruited him. Out of Albany, New York, upstate New York guy, uh, really did well uh, on the circuit at, at the end of high school, uh, the, the, the prep circuit, to, uh, to kind of cement himself as, as this player to watch, really athletic guy who can shoot the ball a little bit. They also added forward Jared Jones. Uh, another key addition for this team, uh, sort of the, the, the guy who's looked at as the eventual replacement of Pardon, although he can't really step into that role right away. Very tough as a true first year. Uh, but a 6'10 forward who's got a lot of ability down there, played on the nation's best high school team, but he was the fifth best player on that team. So kind of a mixed bag in that regard. And then the perhaps the, 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 the first year that the most people are talking about, their highest recruit, uh, their highest recruit ever, according to most recruiting services, Robbie Barrett, the uh, the, the raw first year out of Richmond, Virginia, uh, who's a 6'9 forward, uh, very skinny, and just listed at 207 pounds, but he's coming into this program as, as the most talented uh, of these of these incoming freshmen, a guy who can shoot from the outside and can uh, and has the touch from that from out there, but it can also mix it up on the interior. They also added a, a transfer in in redshirt first year Chase ODJ. Uh, uh, he was a he was a transfer guard who also uh, mixed into that rotation. So those are the main. Uh, newcomers to this team. Certainly, yeah. And I mean, the interesting thing about this group is, uh, you know, I've talked about this with with some other teams in years past, but a, a lot of players that are quality additions, specifically Barron, who I, I really think can make an impact uh, for Northwestern long term. Um, but nobody is, is of that tier where they're really going to turn, uh, you know, a lot of heads nationally. You know, guys that probably need to develop a little bit. You know, you mentioned um spencer who who is a a pretty big wild card you, you, i don't think anybody quite knows what to expect um out of here yeah, exactly year. but a lot of, a lot of guys in that category where you know they could really hit the ground running and and this team could maybe make some more noise than people expect or conversely um maybe none of them really hit year one and and it could be rough but so an interesting an interesting group of of, of prospects here not an elite group by any means but certainly some guys with with potential down the road um, but with that, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, who's in, who's out, got a little better idea of the roster here. Um, what, what are the big things as far as Northwestern's roster and team that you're excited about? Um, and then on the other side, what are you most concerned about for the Wildcats coming into this year? Well, the most exciting thing probably has to be the general athleticism. And I know you said it, you're absolutely right, that this is not an elite group of incoming prospects by any means. But you have to keep in mind it's Northwestern we're talking about here. You know, this is a team – even in the Collins era, and especially before that, that never really recruited uh, with the with the big boys uh, by any means. You know, it was mm-hmm. always consistently one of the worst recruiting teams in the conference. And, you know, for much of Carmody's uh, era, at least, 
didn't have a lot of guys who would out-athlete anybody on the other team, let alone the guy they were matched up against. So now this is a team that can at least match up athletically at a lot of positions. Now, really raw, like you mentioned, uh, the, a lot of those incoming guys, though they're athletic, really raw players, and even guys like Miller, Cop, and Pete Nance, who, you know, as you mentioned, those were the two wild cards of last year, two guys who, for Northwestern, were awesome recruits, for the rest of the country, sort of question marks, who were still good recruits, but, you know, not really sure about their ability, especially Nance coming in, of course, Larry Nance's brother, or Larry Nance Jr.'s brother, Larry Nance Sr.'s son, um, coming in as, you know, this guy with a pedigree, a lot of athleticism, but nobody really sure what he would do, and it turned out to not be that much, at least last year. Now he's put on 20 pounds for this year. People are excited. But that's kind of the issue with this Northwestern team. At the same time, it's their strength. This is going to be probably the most athletic team that Chris Collins has coached from top to bottom, but at the same time, it's a very raw team. So the exciting thing, there's going to be a lot of guys on this, on this group who can jump out of the gym, who are 6'10 dudes who can be hitting shots from the outside. You know, that kind of, that kind of versatility that this team has really lacked for a while in kind of catching up with the rest of college basketball in that regard. But at the same time, you know, as you mentioned, that, that kind of raw nature of things means that there's going to be a ton of growing pains along the way. I'm, I'm in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm with you as far as this concern, you know, it's a, it's a young team, as you said, you know, there, and I think for me, the, the biggest concern coming into the season, and I feel like I'm repeating myself on a lot of these podcasts. I know I just said it on, uh, the one we recorded uh, earlier this week for Iowa, but I I don't see a player that I can just put my hands around and say this guy is a star. I I don't see yeah. a guy in years past. You know, they, yeah, they've had Law, they had McIntosh yeah. a couple years back. They had these guys where you can say, if we have a night where we can't hit anything in the building, this guy can carry us for a five ten minute stretch. And I, I, yeah, yeah. And, and Northwestern they don't have that this year, at least on paper. Not not even Game. close. Not even, yeah. <laughs> that's the biggest issue because, because you're kind of, you know, you're, you're liking it to Iowa a bit and, and you're right that there isn't that, there isn't that guy at Northwestern, but there's not even a guy who you can say, this guy's going to get us 10 points per game. That's mm. the real issue. There's not anybody, you know, not only is there no Vic Law, there's nobody who's even two thirds of Vic Law. So, <laughs> you know, their best player we're coming into this season. I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask a question about this. And so sorry for sort of getting into this a little bit oh, feel but free. the best player coming into the season is Anthony Gaines, right? And, and he's a guy that, i got to be honest, not a lot of Big Ten fans know much about Anthony Gaines, right? People are probably saying, Anthony Gaines is their best player, but I heard about all these big recruits. Anthony Gaines is the guy who's a rising junior out of another upstate New York guy. He's only six foot four. He can jump out of the gym. He's got a ton of athleticism. He's a great on-ball defender, and he can block shots for you despite being only six four. But at the same time, Anthony Gaines is a glue guy. He's a guy who's like, his best quality is that he got like six or seven triple seven games last year. He had seven points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and like three blocks and three steals. You know, he's that type of player for you. He's going to do all the little things, you know, dive for the loose balls, grab a ton of rebounds, you know, get some, get some, some buckets because he's just more athletic than the guy guarding him. But he's not a scorer in any way. He can't shoot from the outside at all. And, and that's the best player. You know, you can make an argument for A.J. Turner, uh, who's in his second year with the program after transferring him from Boston mm-hmm. College, but he was just so inconsistent last season. They tried to shoehorn him into this full of point guard, which hopefully that experiment is going to stop finally now that they have a couple of point guards in the program. He couldn't play that that role pretty much at all. He's a, in, an okay defender, but his, his inconsistencies there were really exposed as the season went on, and he can shoot a little bit, but again, wildly inconsistent from beyond the arc. Um, and, and, and other than that, you know, he just does a lot of little things solidly, but he really, doesn't really excel at any one aspect of the game. He's just a better shooter than Gaines. 
but neither of those guys is in any way a go-to scorer. You know, Gaines has a little bit of off-the-ball ability to finish, but most of that just involves him being stronger than other people and faster than other people and just bodying them to the basket, which is really impressive and fun to watch, but it doesn't make for 20 points a night, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and and I guess to to you know sort of lean back into the uh, the initial question here, um, that that's the that's my big concern coming into this season. Can they get a guy that develops on that end? Because if they don't, yeah. it's going to be really hard to get back into that NIT NCAA picture, if if, if possible at all. Um, and then on the other side, the one thing that I am kind of optimistic about is uh, you you brought him up. I gains I I like I like Turner. And I, I think this could be a, a really nice backcourt this season. Maybe not yeah. one good enough to, to compete for the Big Ten title or anything like that. But generally, you know, if in today's college basketball, if you get the option of do you want a good front court or a good backcourt, I'm taking the backcourt uh, every day and twice on Sunday. And Northwestern, I think, is going to have a pretty solid backcourt. They're experienced. They played together. Um, and they're bringing in some new pieces as well for guys that, might be able to contribute off the bench. So uh, from the positive side, I, I like the backcourt. And they do have some guys, uh, a nice eclectic mix on the wing of guys who uh, could potentially blow up and, and have a, a really nice season with some of these wildcard guys. So I think those are the things that that I'm excited about. Um, moving moving into our, our next category here, you hit on the, the top player of the team, so we don't need to get into that. Um, but the, uh, the schedule... I know not everything is totally known as far as how the schedule is going to shake out, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. But we do know some of the big matchups. Obviously, we kind of know what to expect out of Big Ten play. Any thoughts on Northwestern's schedule this year, particularly the, the non-conference slate? And what are you expecting uh, for the Wildcats? Well, one thing I should go back and mention really quickly in the best player discussion, I kind of neglected mm-hmm. a guy who, who I think could take that next step. You know, you mentioned who could be the guy who's going to lead this team. It could be Miller Cup. Now, what we saw last year doesn't really show that at all. You know, he had a good end of the season after a rough start to the season, really came on sort of strong at the end to kind of finish with an okay last 10 games or so. But he was a guy who was a great recruit out of high school, a guy who has touch uh, on his shots, a decent on-ball defender um, who needs, you know, he needs to refine his game and he needs to be a little bit quicker in terms of decision-making. But if he, you know, if he adapts to Big Ten play, to major conference play this season, he could be that guy who's a little bit more of a go-to scorer simply because he has the body to be able to score uh, a little bit more like a like a Vic Law-style guy off the dribble and those pull-up jumpers and also has the touch to be able to shoot from the outside. So he could be the guy who takes that next step, mm-hmm. probably the most likely guy to take that next step in the scoring category. But when you talk about uh, when you talk about the schedule, so sorry for yeah. that little tangent. We'll get back to <laughs> no, that. no. I so with the schedule, you know, Chris Collins, he is known for a really weak non-conference schedule. And this one is arguably the weakest that he's put together. And it makes sense. You know, argue, uh, normally, when I see a Chris Collins non-conference schedule, I look at it and I say, what is wrong with this man? Why does he consistently put together a bottom 50 non-conference schedule in the country? I think two, last year there, it was, it was below 300th in Ken Palm. It's been below 300th in Ken Palm in four out of the six years of his tenure, I'm pretty sure, at least three out of the six years of his tenure. Just talking about non-conference, right, the schedule. It's really bad. Like, I am not exaggerating. And this year, again, it's, it's arguably even worse. You know, they have their typical games that they, that they, that they like to, you know, they play the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They play the, you know, I think they, they're in the Gavit games this year. I think they have Providence. Um, and then they have, um, uh, they have DePaul every year. 
that's about it for their major conference opponents. Um, they're playing a lot of very bad teams and a lot of teams that are sort of bad. And that's kind of the right move, I think, personally, for a team that is looking this developmental. You know, in years past, when it's been a, a team with more hopes of reaching the NCAA tournament, I, I prefer to test them more in the non-conference portion of things. This season, you know, we talk about how this team is really young, developmental, and you've got to get their feet wet against lesser non-conference opponents. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, the problem with that is those first two Big Ten games, you know, that the, I don't know if we have a name for that yet, but that little, that little two Big yeah. Ten game tease in December, I'm pretty the appetizer. sure, and I could be wrong, it's Purdue and Michigan State. Is that right for this year? I don't have a it schedule. Is, uh, it is. Yes, it's at Purdue December yeah. 8th. And then they have a body bag game on the 15th and then Michigan State at yeah. home on the 18th. Not what you want, right? Especially coming off of this weak <laughs> non-conference schedule. So they're just going to go to Purdue, get destroyed. I know it's not, you know, this isn't like a Purdue team that's up there in terms of the national conversation. It's still Purdue. They're going to beat the crap out of them, you know. And Michigan State, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna host Michigan State and get destroyed. So that's the issue with this team. They don't test themselves at all in the non-conference. And then they come into conference play. And it's overall, I would say, it's a pretty hard non-conference schedule. I think they have Michigan twice as well as Michigan State twice, which is not what you want. And, and, and the first two games are really bad. So it's, that's kind of the issue with this weak non-conference schedule. They're going to come into conference play, and the confidence is going to be gone pretty quickly unless this team can turn things uh, up a notch in a major way. So non-conference-wise, I like what they're doing. It's going to be real tough when they get the Big Ten play. Fair enough. I, I think for me, as far as the, the overall schedule, um, at this point with the 20-game slate, uh, this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've said this on these podcasts, but uh, there there isn't really a lot to take away as far as the Big Ten slate is set up anymore because the schedules don't vary as much as they used to. Generally, everybody sure. kind of knows yeah. what you're you're going to get at this point. Um, but the, non, the non-con slate... I'm I'm kind of with you. I do think this schedule has a little more bite than than it might look on on first glance. Specifically, uh, you know, they do get Providence in November, so that could be a game that has a little intrigue depending on what they do. Maybe this is the yeah, year the, DePaul the finally. Is, look, oh, and, you're, and you're right. You know, you're right. The Providence game is going to have you know some intrigue, but again, it's not. The reason I didn't mention it as much is because it's not a game they schedule. I mean, you're right about that, but it's game they mm-hmm. they're, they're they're locked in because they have a game tie, so it's. You know, you're right that it's going to be a nice test for this team, but it's not what Collins had in mind when he's building this non-conference schedule. You know, and I think they're just gonna get, they're just gonna lose, be okay with it. So fair enough, fair enough. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, Rutgers did this for two or three years in a row. I don't know if if you recall it as a Northwestern guy, but where they would just I sort of remember, yeah. Okay, they had just had utter garbage for like a month of the yeah. season, and they would the jump out to this, the world, yeah. yeah, jump out to this gaudy record. And, you know, there was always this two or three week stretch where people would say, wow, is, is you know, is Rutgers finally legit? You know, they're yeah, 12 they're like and one or, or you know, yeah, what, whatever it is. And then they would hit Big Ten play and just get run down immediately. Uh, but yeah, but, you know, it did build some momentum, got some exactly, positive exactly. energy around the program. Um, I certainly have to imagine it helped the recruiting as well, because. Winning is always going to help recruiting over losing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can understand it in this season, which is probably a little bit of a rebuilding year for the Wildcats to maybe pad the record a little bit, hope you can steal a game here or there and, and go from there. So that that's generally the schedule. Nothing that really, really stands out in non-conference play. I mean, you're talking about 
playing teams like Bradley and Boston College, not going to turn a lot yeah, of Yeah, Bradley might be the third best team on that slate, honestly. <laughs> or probably fourth, I guess. I, they do have DePaul again, right? I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure. They that. do. They play at DePaul. Yeah. So, for, DePaul's gonna, so Bradley's going to be the worth. fourth best, depending on how much you think about Boston College. Maybe Bradley's better than Boston College this year. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, um, not great. But with that, so not easier, easier uh, non-conference schedule, and then of course the Big Ten schedule is what it is. Um, But let let's jump into um, before we get to sort of big picture season predictions, that kind of thing. um, Let's touch on the starting lineup. I I think by now, having listened to what what we've talked about here, we probably spelled out what we kind of think is going to happen. But do you have an overall prediction for the starting lineup at this point? And if so, uh, what are you kind of picturing? Yeah, well, that's kind of an interesting question. So shout out to my man, Kevin Sweeney, uh, at CBB Central. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably follow him. If you don't, you should. Uh, great guy for college basketball. But he is also, you know, uh, we're personal friends, and he's also a Northwestern guy. He's at Northwestern. And he did a sort of extensive look at the team's trip to Europe, uh, which sort of helped him do a little bit of a lineup projection. Um, it's tough right now because there's no true answer at center. Um, and there's a lot of guys who are sort of on the periphery at guard wing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Collins has shown in the past that he's gonna, he doesn't really, he's not super positional, positionally oriented in those yeah. top four position slots. He's willing to play some guys a little bit out of place. Uh, but he does like to have that true center. Although maybe part of that was just part of being there for him for most of his years. <laughs> so, but the, the center is sort of an interesting thing. So the, the guy who makes the most sense to start at center is Pete Nance, even though he's not big enough to be a Big Ten center. So that doesn't seem mm-hmm. to make a lot of sense on his face, but the reason for that is that behind him is the only other really real option there is a redshirt first year in Ryan Young, who was not highly recruited out of high school um, and has been redshirted last season without even coming close to sniffing the court. So it's sort of an interesting thing. Ryan Young is the guy with the body type to play center, um, 6'10", 235, there's no indication that he's ready for that sort of role. So center is a big question mark. Now, point guard I mentioned, the most likely starter is the true first year is Boo Booey. Uh, uh, he's in a sort of a battle with the true sophomore Ryan Greer out of Atlanta. Uh, Greer, another kind of lightly recruited guy who Collins brought on, and um, also he skipped, he, he reclassified up. So he's actually the same age as Bowie, even though he did play last season um, because his team needed point guard so bad. Um, after what happened with Jordan Lathan, him him decommitting uh, for or the, the 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 sorry I shouldn't say that the university denied him entry uh, based on a couple of things uh, that are not public record. Um, so it's Bowie and Greer for that spot. Bowie is the guy who's the long term answer probably, but Greer is the guy who has experience in the offense as shooting guard. Like I mentioned, Spencer is the most likely guy there. Um, small forward is probably going to be Anthony Gaines, even though he's 6'4". Trust me, he plays a lot taller than 6'4". And then the starting power forward is probably going to be Miller Kopp, which is it's weird to say that A.J. Turner is going to be on the bench, but he's just not really, you know, he's going to battle with Greer for that shooting guard spot. I mean, not Greer. He's going to battle with Spencer for that shooting guard spot, obviously. But Turner, the way he looked last season, just really didn't earn a starting spot this season based on that. So based on possibly knowledge of the offense, he might get that look over Spencer for the first while. But if Spencer is... You know, basing anything off of Europe is really tough, obviously. I mean, you know this. But based mm-hmm. on what he showed in Europe, Spencer looked a lot better than Turner. looked a lot more confident in the offense. He could even move into a point guard role if Collins wants to do that. I don't think he does if he wants to develop Bowie. Um, but he could do that. Um, those are kind of the guys in the mix. And then Nance is sort of on the periphery there as well, like I said. But Cop will start 
whether that's at uh, power forward or small forward. You know, Cobb is going to be in the starting lineup. He's probably a power forward, even if he's six seven, um, and and more of a shooting type guy, just because this Northwestern team, after you know two years really of being point guard light, especially last year, they are now center light. So sort of an interesting turnabout for this team. Yeah, that's an interesting point uh, about Nance. Um, obviously, with with Pardon gone and the uh, the surprising exit of Benson, there's a huge hole <laughs> up front. Um, and you yeah, know, and I Nance... will just say Benson. You know, Benson. He's he would have been the starter this year, but he to mm. me is not a Big Ten player. He's just not. I mean, the amount of fouls really? committed last season, the last in all three seasons at Northwestern, he committed more than uh, five and a half fouls per forty minutes. And last season, he got his most playing time. He committed 6.8. So, you know, Saluki's fans who think he's going to be the answer, uh, I wouldn't bet too highly on it. <laughs> or no, wait, he's in Illinois State, right? Not Southern Illinois. So, um, fans think he's going to be the answer. I don't recall where he, where he ended up transferring to. He's offhand, at one of those two. I'm pretty sure it's Illinois State, though. So uh, but, yeah, obviously, with him gone, uh, with Pardon departing, yeah, Nance, Nance may have to slide in there. He might be the most logical uh, player, you know, Ryan Young might be a, an option as well. We'll have to see how that that sorts out. But I, I think from my, my perspective, a lot of the the same faces, I mean, I think Gaines is obviously going to be in the lineup. I think Turner is going to be in the lineup as well. I think Nance, Gaines, yeah. and Turner are three guys who are going to find a spot. And then it's basically just who develops around them well, with all these various various wild cards from my perspective. Here's what I would say. I'd say Cop based on last season. Again, if you're just taking last season – Cop mm-hmm. looked a lot better than Nance. Now, Nance had a better recruiting pedigree, but Cop just looked like a much more ready-to-contribute player. So I would bet on him seeing, you know, even though they play slightly different positions, um, I would bet on Cop being more likely to see playing time than Nance. Mm-hmm. But all those guys, you know, they, you know, even if they're the sixth man or whatever, with the yeah. role that Bowie is playing as just sort of getting his feet wet, the sixth man is going to be a de facto starter for this team because Spencer's not going to see a ton of time in the early going. Bowie's not going to see a ton of time in the early, early going. So all those sort of guard options are going to play a lot. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this probably speaks volumes to what we were talking about earlier, where, um, you know, there used to be a lot of discussion about how uh, certain teams didn't have enough bench production, blah, blah, blah. But it seems to have reversed course where the conclusion is you don't necessarily want a lot of bench production. You want guys who are going to lock down starting spots because they're that good. And Northwestern, exactly. Northwestern has a couple. Um, we'll we'll see, but so that that's kind of how I'm I'm seeing the lineup shaking out. Uh, but with that, let's get to the the money spot, the thing everybody loves to to chat about nonstop. Uh, season predictions. I think we already have an idea where you're going, but um, does Northwestern make a postseason tournament? If they do, which one? Um, and what are your overall thoughts and predictions for the Wildcats this year? Yeah, well, I mentioned Kevin earlier. He's a little bit higher on this team than me, and, and based on the fact that he's actually watched all of the games in Europe, which I have not, it's tough to really argue with him, but even he agrees, <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. I'm saying he's the most positive guy I know about this Northwestern team, and even he agrees that the most likely spot for this team is 14. So that's where the mindset is right now for this program. I think there's, it has, it's been a little while since there was a, a more clear-cut pick for the number 14 spot in the Big Ten, and maybe that's just me saying that as a Northwestern fan, but it certainly seems to be the case. Um, th- this team is probably going to finish 14th, and that's not ideal. Um, but at the same time, it's just the personnel that they have. They don't match up favorably at any position spot with just about anybody. They have very few advantages over any of the 14 teams in the Big Ten, even in a relatively down year for the conference. What's shaping up to be that, I should say. So that's not great. Um, but 
you know, it, it, I don't think this team's going to go 0 and 20. I've seen some of that on inside and your comments. Um, I've seen a lot of, oh, this team's going to go 0 and 20. Like that's just going to happen. That seems a little bit overstating it to me. I'd say like 3 and 17 is the most likely number. It doesn't really sound good. I know it just is the most likely thing based on how bad this team is. I might even be being a bit generous with that number. So three and seventeen, and let's say I don't know eight and four in non-con for eleven and twenty-one overall. Which again, maybe a game or two generous, but why not? Hot take: Northwestern will not go zero and twenty in Big Ten play this year. Uh, <laughs> you say that now. Couple injuries. I feel pretty confident. You I feel pretty confident with a couple though. injuries. No, you're you're of course right. I mean, <laughs> people love to be overly negative, and it's tough to be overly negative about a team that is this bad. So what you have to do is kind of go the extra mile. And predicting 0 and 20 is sort of the extra mile in that regard. But yeah, like like you said, I don't think it's going to happen. However, I don't think they're going to get many more wins than zero. We'll just I'll just say that. I think it will. With that said, yeah, as, as you pointed out, I think it's going to be a rough year for the Wildcats. I don't think they're going to be in serious postseason contention, whether that's NCAA or NIT this year. I, I think, generally speaking, the season's probably going to be largely over, but for a miracle. Big Ten tournament run sometime in January. Um, and I do think there's a chance Northwestern does not finish 14th in the Big Ten standings. No, I, don't think there's, I should, I should um, make that clear. I do think there's a chance that they find a way up to 13th or 12th or 11th. You know, you well, the, know. One, the one thing I will throw out, and I'm not saying they're going to finish ahead of them, but uh, Nebraska has added a lot of new pieces this year. Yeah, they basically have a brand-new team, um, yeah, but they fair. are a total wild card. They could be absolutely horrendous. Or they could be really good. So they're a total wild card. So I don't know what to expect out of them. Uh, we'll get to their their previews later. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a rough year. And um, before we let you go, I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on sort of where this thing is heading. I know a lot of Northwestern fans have, have sort of fallen out of favor with, with Chris Collins a little bit. But he is the only guy to get the program to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on Collins? And can he sort of get this, this ship righted? Um, Obviously, neither of us thinks it's going to be this year, but uh, into the future, can he get this thing turned around? Yeah, I mean, first to go into Collins a little bit, um, I'm not going to talk too much about off-court issues, but this program has had some, um, whether it's the Johnny Vassar case, who I'm not sure if you two know too much about that or your mm-hmm. fans, your listeners know too much about that, but Johnny Vassar is essentially sort of a marginal player for Northwestern, who Collins decided he was going to run off, you know, nothing nothing new about that. We know that that happens, you know, unless you're kidding yourself, we know that happens all across college basketball, but the sort of way in which he ran him off uh, ended up resulting in a lawsuit, a very bad situation for the program. It's sort of been brushed under the rug. So not many people know about it, um, but he, Collins is alleged of doing a lot of bad things to Vassar, including falsifying time cards to say he didn't work what he said he did. Um, some other, you know, yell, cussing at him in front of teammates, stuff like that. So, that is a, ne- is a negative situation on Collins' record. Um, he's had, obviously, you mentioned Benson transferring out. A lot of players have transferred away from this team in the past couple of years. Part of that is a function of them sort of seeing the future, knowing that they're going to be bad, and getting the heck out. But a lot of guys, uh, more than you would have typically expect. You know, Benson out, Aaron Salzone gone, Jordan Ash transferred away. I know I'm missing a couple other guys. Uh, more than Northwestern has really ever seen, or since Kevin O'Neill, at least, in the late 90s, transferring away from this program. That is not a good sign. Even if none of those guys are difference makers necessarily, it's not a good sign. At the same time, Collins is still recruiting at a pretty high level, you know. And even though he's, mm-hmm. he's not, he hasn't done very well 
with those high-level recruits so far and with perhaps the most talented team he's ever had last season, he really did not do well. There, it's tough to say that this program is going to really stay in the basement. At the same time, I've just got to say I'm not too confident in Collins' direction. He, he has problems as an in-game coach. They seemingly can never really get their offense figured out, even when they have better personnel than this. Uh, they can never fully get offensive stuff figured out, especially with the departure of some assistants who, who he's kind of leaned on in the past. Um, so I, I find it hard to really be confident in the direction that this program is heading. But if the recruits that he's getting, and again, these are high-level recruits for Northwestern, probably mid-level recruits for the big kind of whole, but still, for the recruits that he's getting, if these guys pan out the way they're sort of expected to, they can kind of win in spite of some of the some of what I see as coaching deficiencies. So overall, for the program, you know, it's tough to say the Collins era is over and in the tank. Um, and while I wouldn't be shocked to see Collins gone after the next two years, especially if he if the team is as bad as we think it's going to be this year, and they don't really turn around next year, I think that's really the decision making time. You know, this year has sort of been given uh, to the program, especially with the extension that Collins signed recently as a rebuilding year. But if he's still bad next year which would make it, I think, five years in a row of really bad teams, of under 500 teams, it's tough to justify uh, ha- having him on after that. So mm-hmm. it, kind of, it just depends on how good these recruits are. And, again, I have significant questions about Collins' coaching ability in the next two years. will really, will really make it clear whether he is not a good enough coach or whether it's the players that have let him down to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think as long as he's recruiting at the level he has been, uh, it, things are going to figure themselves out. Uh, yeah. It, it yeah, just generally true. generally happens that way. But, you know, we're going to see. Northwestern has a lot to offer, you know, as far as the, the school and you know, the location and whatnot to, to continue they've recruiting. Got offers, they've got some offers into some really high-level guys, you know. Yeah, um, they a have a few of a, <laughs> a few guys they this got, cycle and the next cycle that yeah, uh, specifically I mean, they got, they got Baldwin. Got, I mean. they're, yeah, they're supposedly in on Baldwin. It's weird because, you know, Pat – his dad was Collins' assistant coach for a while. So yeah. now he's at, he's at Milwaukee. Or did he, they fire him yet? He's very bad at Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> but either way, you know, he's already taken visits. You know, I've seen him around uh, at games, uh, unofficials and stuff like that. So he's like, he's clearly at least considering Northwestern, whether it's just token for his bad sake or something else. But also, you know, like Max Christie is another top 25 guy in his class. I mean, if Collins is actually in on those guys, that obviously changes the calculus, but mm-hmm. you know, we have to kind of see the results there. Absolutely. Uh, but with that, Noah, thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell your listener or our listeners where they can check you out. And of course, uh, where they can check out your writing. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm on inside and you, uh, that's, that's the SB nation blog that, that I run. Um, right now we're in full football mode, but we will begin the basketball stuff soon. Um, regardless of how disappointing it ends up being, uh, or, but uh, or how depressing it ends up being, I should say. I'm also doing some stuff over at WNUR Sports, which is Northwestern student-run radio station. Uh, so give us a look. Um, and again, I mentioned it a couple times, but a lot of the stuff that I was able to offer in this podcast couldn't be possible without uh, my man Kevin Sweeney. So check him out at tvbcentral.com. Uh, and at TVB Central on Twitter. Thanks, Thomas. I appreciate it, man. Definitely, and I, I would give a strong recommendation to him as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TBendit. Um, check out BT Powerhouse. Like and rate our podcast positively. If you're not going to rate it positively, don't rate it. Uh, but with <laughs> that, uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next time.